Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast, and I'm your host, as always, going solo today, Judo Dave Roman. What's going on, everybody? I'd like to give a special shout out to Ost Nation. That's you jujitsu guys out there. I know a lot of you are starting to t- chime in on the podcast. Just as a reminder, this will be typically a judo-centric podcast, but I'm always willing to talk a little bit about Brazilian jiu-jitsu here and there. Now, speaking of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, during the week on Wednesday, I went to a Brazilian jiu-jitsu club that was practicing judo. And not only were they practicing judo, it was promotion night for them. Where we're moving on. Now, this particular club is Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu in Tampa, and they've got a, a, a weekly judo class. Actually, they've got, uh, a, they practice three times a week, and on Wednesday, they had promotions for a lot of people at their club. Now, I got to tell you that this particular club had, it, it, this was the largest adult-only judo club I have ever been to in my life that was not a clinic. They've got... They had, they, I counted, there was about 25 adults on the mat. And this is a huge mat space, and it was completely full of adults, both younger guys and older guys. I think the youngest kid there was, was 18, and it happened to be Judo Joe's son, who got promoted to EQ. Congratulations to you. His wife got promoted to EQ. And, and most importantly, well, I shouldn't say most importantly, but it was a very special t- moment for me to see my friend Judo Joe Get promoted to showdown. Now, if you guys don't remember, if you have a short memory, if you got bump on the head, Judo Joe is the guy that co-hosted with me on last week's episode, and he will be back at some point. I haven't decided when, but there's no way I can keep him off the mats. I thoroughly enjoyed having him on the program, and I enjoyed talking Judo. I enjoyed his perspective on things. I enjoy everything that's, uh, that he talked about and, and, and the, the alternative points of view he brought onto the podcast. But it was a pure joy for me to see him get promoted to Shodan. It was a promotion that was long overdue. And hey, got to admit, it almost brought a tear to my eye. Almost. I'm not a wuss. But it almost brought a tear to my eye. I was very happy for him, his family, and everybody else at the club that got promoted. Some guys got promoted to Yellow Belt. Some guys got promoted to Brown Belt. Just an overall fantastic night at this place, and I was very, very happy to be a part of it. I don't now. I don't want you guys to think that I've quit on my judo club. That's not it. I I let the sensei know at the club that I assist at that I was going to be at this particular club because I wanted to be a part of something special uh, for my friends, and it was it was really a remarkable moment. And to tell you the truth, it was the first. Showed on promotion I have been a part of since my own promotion. I've not been to another promotion where somebody got promoted to Shodan. So it was just really an overall special night. I got to Randori with my favorite training partner. And you know the thing is, what's so funny, I don't think she's actually done judo in in years, to be honest. And she was still awesome. I mean, she she was just... She was just, and I know she would tell you that she was she was off, uh, you know, out of practice, and certainly maybe her timing wasn't right. But but man, it was just just being able to grip her up again and move around. It just it, it's just really amazing her her skill level and ability, and it was just a real joy to 
to be on the match with her again. I got to Rondori with Joe. I got to Rondori with his wife and his son. They all got very, very good since the last time I, I stepped on the mat with all of them, which altogether must have been at least at least a year ago. So it was really great to Rondori with them. And I, I could only get in about four or five rounds before I had to go home to my own family. But it was just a tremendous night. I was, I'm was i very, very honored to be a, a, a part of that. And it was just great to see everybody get promoted there. And to see so many adults on the mat at the same time doing judo. Now, at this particular club, um, it's my understanding that another judo club has kind of joined forces with this jiu-jitsu club. And that, that original, that judo club is called Shodan Judo. And so if you are looking for judo in the Tampa Bay area... And you're looking around the Ybor City area and you happen to find a club uh, called Shodan Judo. It's ran by a guy uh, by the name of Giovanni. And he he runs this club out of the Jiu-Jitsu club. But they're, they're pretty much partners at this point if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, Giovanni's a very nice guy. They've got a lot of experienced judoka. I think, gosh, I would venture to guess you with the, the older gentleman there. They, they've probably got at least 200 years of experience combined of judo. So it, it was, it's it, a lot of experienced people there, a lot of enthusiastic training partners there. It's just, just, just a really, really great environment. And like I said before, I was very, very happy to be a part of that. Now, I was able to to do some training. So I, I went there on, on Saturday after Joe and I did the podcast. I did some Rondori there. I went last night. On Monday, I had my, my regular class uh, over at Riverview Judo that I assisted in. Uh, I taught a nice little turnover that I learned from Superstar Judo called the Fallon Roll. I, I, I tell you what, if you guys don't know what the Fallon Roll is, I highly suggest you look it up because it is one of the most niftiest turtle turnovers I've ever seen. And Craig Fallon says when done right, it's unstoppable. I, I tend to believe that. I, I don't know if somebody caught me in that. I don't know how I could possibly stop that unless... The person who was trying to do it against me was was like a little kid, and I'm I got a hundred pounds on him. But when things are equal, it's it's a I I don't know how you could stop the Fallon roll. If you guys think you can, go ahead and shoot me an email and let me know. The email is judochopsuishow at gmail dot com. If you think you can stop the Fallon roll, go ahead and tweet at me, which is at Lavita Judoka. So I was teaching a little bit of that on the Monday class, and come to find out which is unfortunate, is my club, and I think I teased this on my last podcast, my club may be no more in about a month. And that's not because of the sensei thrown in the towel or anything. We also share space with an after-school care slash Brazilian jiu-jitsu club. And the head instructor, the business owner of that particular club, is closing up shop. I, I He's done with the after school care he's done with teaching jujitsu he's uh he's a very experienced brown belt i believe he's going to get his black belt in jujitsu sometime this year but as as a business as being a business owner he's done uh you know i can understand that you get to a point in your life especially when you hit your 40s if you've been doing the same job for years and years and years you get to a point in your life where you want to spread your wings and do something very different. So I'm not sure 
where his travels will take him. I think he's got other business interests on the side that are completely unrelated to training. But we found out late last week that he's going to be moving on from jiu-jitsu, which means he's going to be closing his doors, which also means that puts our judo club in a tricky predicament. And I'm sure many of many judo clubs around the United States, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I know many judo clubs out of the United States rent space at a very affordable price out of churches. I've heard some places out of Buddhist temples or some community centers, or, or even they share some space with Taekwondo schools or Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs. And this can be a challenge when you're dealing with a small club, like mine is a relatively small club. I don't think there's more than 10 paying members. So that's not enough to maintain the rent at a typical place, which oftentimes exceeds $1,500, $2,000 a month. And I know for a fact that we do not generate that kind of of uh, income in membership dues to keep the club open. So I don't know what the sensei is going to do. And I tell you what, I mean, seeing this situation, it makes it very hard and and in, in a way, I'm glad I am not a head instructor because it's it really is a tricky predicament. And I'm willing to help as much as I can. But, you know, I've got my own career. I've got my own family. And I don't know how much I can commit financially and time-wise, um, especially if the club moves, let's say, far away, you know, more than an hour away from where I live and such. It, it, it can be tricky. It's a tricky situation. It's an unfortunate situation. When I when I got to this club, it was the perfect situation. The club is two miles away from my house. You know, I can I can get there early. I can stay a little late. And it doesn't impact my personal life at all. You know, I can get there at a time that I normally, normally doesn't interfere with work or work doesn't interfere with training. So that may all change for me in... In, in the very near future, in a month or so. So I don't, I hope the head instructor can find a place. I'm willing to help in whatever way I can. But, you know, if it comes down to me, you know, having to shell out, you know, $300 a month or whatever to keep a club going, I can't do that. And I know a lot of parents out there who are a part of this club certainly can't jump from, I believe they, I, I believe we charge 80 bucks a month. I think I'm not even sure, but I know those parents can't all of a sudden jump from 150 or 200 dollars a month to support the rent for a building. Even if they could, with with 10 students, you know, with a lot of rents in the Tampa Bay area, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at 15, 200, you know, 2,000 dollars a month, 1,500, 2,000 dollars a month, and then you've got the utility f- bills on top of that. It, it's it's a sizable chunk and. I don't know. I mean, I've suggested maybe looking at the community recreation center. I know some places have uh, have space there, but then that means we have to bring our mats every single time. So there's a lot of challenges involved. Now, if there's anybody out there that has experienced this kind of stuff that can maybe provide some insight and maybe some advice, feel free to shoot me an email or, or, or reach out to me on Facebook or, or, or hit me up on Twitter or something because I – if you guys can put in an idea, give us an idea that we may be overlooking, let us know because I would hate to see our club close. Uh, it's been a convenience for me and it's been an absolute honor and joy 
to teach the kids that show up to the class. So, you know, even though the past couple of weeks I've been training at Ybor City Jiu-Jitsu for Judo, my heart and my desire to continue in Judo is with the current club that I'm, that I'm at. I'm committed to that club. I, I just, you know, financially I can't commit a lot and it's it's a tough situation. So... If you guys have dealt with any of this, shoot me an email. Let me know what happened in your situation, how you dealt with it. This isn't the first time I've experienced this. We talked about this on the podcast last week that my judo coach struggled with this very thing. It was it was hard for him to maintain a club and eventually those doors had to close. So, you know, you guys have any insight, go ahead and let me know. Now, before I continue on with the rest of this podcast, there's a couple of things that I need to get off my chest that is not judo related. I'm sure all of you can relate to those situations where you get a song in your head and you can't get it out of your head. And I've had this song in my head for two days. The Safety Dance. Does anybody remember the Safety Dance by Men Without Hats? I think it was Men Without Hats or something like that. A band from like the 80s. The song came out in 83 and... And I remember the video very vividly. You had a guy that looked like Tyrion Lannister dancing around in England. And I, and they were talking about the safety dance and stuff. I tell you, I cannot get this song out of my head for the life of me. So I'm thinking perhaps maybe sometime during this podcast, I'm not promising anything, but maybe in order for me to exercise the demon out of my head of the safety dance, that I may have to sing karaoke and sing this damn song and get it out of my head once and for all. It's a catchy tune. I used to love it as a kid. Let's see, in 1983, I was about eight years old. So you guys can do the math. I've already told you how old I am. Yada, yada, yada. So anyway, if you maybe I'll sing the song. I, I don't know. You guys are already hearing the song in the background. I'm going to shoot this guy right now. But if not, if it's still playing in my head, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to do something about it. I don't know. Now, speaking of the safety dance and Tyrion Lannister and England and they're all dancing around, that's kind of how I envision England to be. I'm watching this really, really good show on Netflix called The Crown. God save the queen! And if you guys haven't seen The Crown yet, it's a really, really good show about Queen Elizabeth's rise and and about the English monarchy and how things were back then. And, and there were really, really interesting things about this show that I, I highly recommend it. They, they covered this incident that happened in England about uh, some killer fog that killed like 12,000 people. I never heard of this incident in my life. I'm sure all the people over in, in jolly old England uh, can attest to that and know about that history. Um, it reminds me, is, is England really jolly? I, I, I have no idea. I've never been there. One day I'll, I'll go over there and see Big Ben and, and uh, visit all the sites and, and maybe wave to the Queen and and uh, Prince Charles and all that good stuff. But that's a really good show. What is not a good show, and I hate to say it, have you guys seen The Iron Fist yet? That show sucks. And, you know, I'm I'm about 12 episodes in. Uh, it's, it is really not good. Now, I, I really liked Luke Cage. I really liked Daredevil. I love Daredevil. And I thought Jessica Jones was fantastic, but man, they missed the mark on Iron Fist. And look, guys, if you're interested in seeing the show, be my guest. But this is one of those shows that might have appealed to me back in the day when I was watching The Karate Kid and I was watching Steven Seagal movies. 
But this show just has a lot of ridiculous martial arts tropes that maybe when I was 14 years old, I would have thought was awesome. But man, Danny Rand is no Michael Dudikoff. He's no, he's no, he's not even a Daniel LaRusso. I mean, it, it, this show is just a disaster. If you guys feel different, let me know. But man, it just don't, don't waste your time. I, I know at some point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with, on Netflix that, they're probably going to have some superhero team up with all the characters that they've portrayed so far. I'm hoping they do a Punisher at some point because the Punisher in Season 2 of Daredevil was pretty awesome. But I'm telling you, if if you really feel like you need to see this, go right ahead. But this is, it's not good. I, I wanted it to be good too, but I, I don't know. I, I it's There's a lot of Japanese stuff in it but it's 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 like kung fu as well and and like they went to some some warehouse to take out like the bad guys and the guards outside of the warehouse are have swords and stuff like come on this is a 21st century if you're gonna be a bad guy in china you're still you're gonna break the law and have guns you're not gonna be walking around with with katana blades and and uh scythes and things like that it's just just ridiculous stuff so here's my public service announcement for the week don't bother watching iron fist you'll be highly disappointed but if you must see it and you feel differently about it if you've watched and you feel differently about it go ahead and shoot me an email anyway now on to some judah related topics starting with a reminder that i am looking to have the guy who wrote the book on freestyle judo on the podcast sometime soon. I'm hoping maybe by the next episode or the episode after that, I'll be able to put together the an interview. But I want to offer you guys, the wonderful listeners that you are, an opportunity to shoot me any questions that you may have for the founder, not the founder, well, it, one could argue the founder of Freestyle Judo is Jagoro Kano, but you know what I'm talking about. The guy who wrote the book on the rules for Freestyle Judo, I would like to give you guys an opportunity to shoot me questions that you'd like for me to ask him. Now, I'm certain I'm going to cover most of the questions that you guys already have. But it's important for me to get the word out about freestyle judo. Because it's something different. It's not the typical IJF stuff. I get a lot of email and a lot of responses regarding the rules against the leg grabs and rules against certain types of throws and and time limits on the ground and stuff. Freestyle judo is very different and I'm not going to get too much into it right now because I'll let uh sensei Steve Scott get into those kind of details, but I would like to offer you guys an opportunity if you got a question, shoot them to me in an email or or uh or, or on Twitter or on Facebook, whatever whatever method that you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to do so and I'll get those questions to him. For those of you who may not have noticed, the Antalya Grand Prix, hopefully I got that name right, Antalya in Turkey, uh, the Grand Prix took place last weekend and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it. I did see some of this tournament. Uh, I, I'm going to review some of the matches that I thought were worth watching but again I said this last week whenever France and Japan are not in these tournaments it it loses a bit of 
pizzazz for me, if you know what I mean. It just it just doesn't have the same feel. And it doesn't mean that the athletes and what they accomplish on this particular tournament it doesn't it doesn't diminish their accomplishments, but it's just not quite the same. I, I don't you know, I know the national championships in Japan were a couple of uh, uh, weeks ago, and perhaps some of the athletes are preferring to recover from that. I know there's going to be another IJF event in Russia in May, and I believe there's going to be one a little bit after that, finally coming over to this side of the world in Cancun in Mexico. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Cancun. It's decent, I guess, for a Mexican city. I, I've been there twice uh, from my cruise, but the, the the port area for Cancun is really nice. But once you start getting out in the outer city, it, it's decent. I'm sure it's got other nice areas, but uh, but I, I, I just because it's on this side of the world doesn't mean I'm going to make it over there to watch the tournament live. That's not going to happen. But So those are the next two IJF tournaments happening. I'm curious to see if France and Japan will appear at any of those tournaments. But again, I'm not trying to take away from the accomplishments of the athletes in this particular tournament. Most notably, Lucas Kerplik of the Czech Republic finally won his first gold medal of the year in his new weight category, which is the over 100 kilo. For those who may not remember, he won the gold medal in Rio for the under 100 kilo division. And he decided to move up in in weight uh, to compete in in his new division. Perhaps I don't know all the reasons behind that. I'm sure my my uh, the main man over in the Netherlands, Hans van Essen, knows exactly why he decided to move up. And if you don't know who Hans van Essen is, you should because he is the founder and site maintainer of JudoInside.com. He actually wrote me a a, a very nice email. Uh, earlier in the week that I may get to later on in this podcast, but he could tell you all about that stuff. I'm sure if I were to go dig deep in the archives of judoinside.com, I could find out exactly why Lucas decided to move up in the next weight category, but either way, it doesn't matter. It's his first gold of the year, and he's he's making his claim in that division. Again, when you don't have Japan there, you really don't know how he will fare ultimately as as these athletes are slowly marching toward the world championships. So it's it's a good win for him. He gets the points. He gets the money. He gets the girls. Oh, I don't know if he gets the girls. But, you know, he gets the money and he gets the points and he gets the gold medal. So very good for him. Now, I want to run th- down some of the matches that I saw in this tournament. And look, guys, I got to tell you... <laughs> There were a lot of duds in this tournament. I, It was not an easy task looking through a lot of these matches. But this is what I'm here for. I'm here to give you the good and the bad. And there was some bad in, in terms of what looked to be pretty gruesome injuries. I don't think anybody uh, is going to be out any length of time. But to give you an example, if you want to check this match out, the under 66 kilo repercharge match between Sandal of Turkey and Shamaliov of Israel. Now, Sandal was thrown with Uchimada and landed on his head in a really gruesome way. I mean, if you want to... We're talking about, like, you know, yuck factor for sure. Um, and I'm not saying that's a highlight, but but um, the, the, the throw was really nice. But, man, he landed really, really awfully there. And 
And I got to tell you, this is, if I were to describe uh, this tournament in some of the men's contests, this is this is the headbanging tournament because, ugh, the under-73 kilo bronze medal match between Hidarov of Azerbaijan and, and Jakova of Kosovo, I mean, Hidarov threw with a Kataguruma, which, okay, I'm going to get yelled at if you watch this match. I know it's not called Kataguruma, but this is... This goes back to the whole complaint about naming judo throws properly and stuff. I'm calling it Kataguruma. You can call it whatever you want. Looked like Kataguruma. And Jakova used his head to spin out of the throw. And that was an instant Hansukumaki. Kids, don't try that at home. You'll get Hansukumaki or worse. And it didn't look like he got injured there. Uh, but, you know, he got immediately called Hansukumaki. And I, I, I love some of the athletes' responses. They're like, what? What, what did I do? Um, another gruesome match. This was probably the worst, like fall on the head, head banging match here, uh, between Boboev of Uzbekistan and and once again Jakova of Kosovo. Now he Jakova lost that other match I was just talking about. He won this one with a beautiful Harai Goshi, and I tell you what, Boboev's head. He either used it deliberately to get out of the throw or something, but. His head just bent backwards in a really gruesome way. Almost made me want to throw up and just disgusting. If you want to see something gruesome in a judo tournament, go ahead and watch that match. Uh, again, kids, don't try this at home, even with your parents' permission. You know, you don't want to, you, you don't even want to try it. Just, just those instances, look, if you're caught in a throw, just take the fall. It's not worth injuring yourself over the long term and potentially missing out on tournaments. And for these guys, you know, you get a bad neck injury that keeps you out of uh, out of certain tournaments. You lose your chances to make money. So, because these these guys are 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 professional in a way. Now, um, I gotta say, the match between Karakoshvili of Georgia and Semenovers Russia was very very entertaining. I so highly suggest you watch this match. All these matches, I'm gonna put in the podcast notes description for you guys so you don't have to hunt on YouTube and and skip through things or you know skip through you know three hour long videos or whatever the case may be I'll give you the the direct links to these matches and it'll make it easier for you guys to watch these things uh the under 90 kilo bronze medal match between Jung Hae Ju of Korea and uh Kukoli of Serbia was really nice uh, Kukoli threw with Uchimata for Wazari and then won with Ipon on the case of Katami. Now, kids, feel free to try that at home because that's textbook judo. Really, really nice match. I highly suggest you watch it. Again, I'll link it. Um, moving on, the under 100 kilo match between Balseltanov of Russia and Palchik of Israel was notable for two reasons. Now, one, there was a beautiful counter for Ipon that won the match. And two... Uh, Paul Chick was called for a Shido on a pistol grip. Now, I've been saying for months now, I thought the pistol grip was good, but clearly in this match, it was not. I'm going to dig into this a little bit further to find out why this particular call was made in this match. I thought the pistol grip was good. Maybe I need to review this match again and, and see whether he had it for too long without doing anything. Maybe Maybe that's what the referee was implying, but... All this time, I thought the pistol grip was good. Uh, the the officials on the side of the mat did not correct the official in in uh, on the tatami. So I don't know what happened there, but but I, I'm definitely going to try and. 
get to the bottom of that and find get some clarification on the rules because look, I've been telling my own students at my own club that the pistol grip is good. That that uh, feel free to use it. Just don't put your fingers inside the inside the the sleeve, and you're good to go. So maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, now the final match in the men's division that I want to cover again. I touched on this earlier is uh, Lucas Kapalik de- defeating uh, Krakowski of Kyrgyzstan, and this match I thought should have ended on the throw. I thought I thought Kerplik had countered nicely and and threw um threw his opponent on his back cleanly but they did they they called it a wazari and then they canceled the wazari but but fortunately Kerplik had uh followed through on his attack and and managed to win via Osai Komi. So it was a very nice win for him and again it's his first tour win of of the uh uh 2017 year. So so congratulations to him. I was very interested to see how he would do in the higher weight category and and he's seemingly doing okay so far he's got his first gold on the women's side there are two matches that i wanted to cover and i know it's seemingly only two matches but like i've said before i can't watch every single match so i i try and pick and choose closer to the metal rounds and maybe the repertoire to take a look at these matches but there's two that i wanted to highlight um this is on the women's side in the under 48 kilo division Gilia Zova of Russia defeated uh, Gurbanli of Azerbaijan with some nice shimewaza. Now, it's hard for me to tell exactly what she did because of the camera angle, but but she definitely choked around in this one. It was a nice transition. I highly recommend watching this particular match. And and in one of the repercharge matches in the under 57 kilo division, uh, Sultanova of uh, Uzbekistan lost to, uh, let's see her, let's see I get her name right. Nishan Baeva of Kazakhstan on her Harai Goshi. Uh, she had a great, great grip on this, a great entry, and, and just a just a huge pawn. Uh, this is one of those must-see TVs for sure. And then, you know, like I said earlier, this is that was pretty much it on the women's side as far as matches that I like to watch. And I've said this before, and I've caught flack from some of you guys out there, and that's okay. It's It's not a big deal to me, but... I like big finishes. I like big throws for finishes. I like I like nice transitions to to Shime Waza or Kansetsu Waza, things like that. For those who may not know what I'm talking about, that those are chokes and arm bars. I like to see big finishes, nice transitions to that, or the big throw. And I'm not you know when it comes to breaking down some of these matches that I watch I can't watch them all. It's just too much. It's just like what I was talking about WrestleMania last week. Now, I watched WrestleMania for seven hours because I was there in person. But, you know, if I was at home, I'd, I'd, you know, make myself a sandwich or things like that and wouldn't catch literally every single thing because seven hours is too much. And these tournaments are, are much longer than that if you add up all the tournament footage. So I try and catch the highlights. And then, you know, if I see something that's really interesting to me, I'll watch the entire match. And that's how I like to comment on these matches. So if there are other matches that I missed and you want to let me know about them, feel free to reach, shoot me an email and, or, or reach out to me on Twitter. And I'll, uh, I'll, uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at that match and, and see what, and see what I think. So, but like I said, I, I just can't, I, I can't watch them all. So the, so it's not a disrespect to any of the women that I only thought two of the matches in that division were good. And again, I only watch from from typically the the semifinals or the medal rounds. Uh, that's what I typically look for. So anyway,
Do any of you follow the IJF on Twitter? Do any of you follow me on Twitter, at La Vida Judoka? Well, if you're not following the IJF, I saw an interesting tweet a couple of days ago that really caught my attention. It almost looked like the IJF was trying to uh, start a Twitter beef with Fabio Basile, the the under-66 kilo winner in the Olympic Games last year. So the IJF puts out this tweet. It says, Olympic silver medalist Odette Giofrida of Italy rejected a place on Dancing with the Stars because she wants to win. Hashtag Judo Warsaw 2017. Hashtag more than a sport. Now, this is really interesting to me because Fabio Basile is from Italy as well. And if you follow his Instagram or Twitter, he is on the Italian version of Dancing with the Stars. And I I don't know what the International Judo Federation is trying to get at. But that that is not an accidental tweet. I mean... I'm sure there are other athletes out there that have rejected participating in judo tournaments to do other things in their free time. But I just thought that was really interesting. I I have to believe that was an indirect shot at at Italy. I I responded to them in my own tweet uh and they didn't they didn't uh they didn't have the courage to respond to my tweet. I I basically wrote curious tweet by the IGF is this supposed to be an indirect criticism of Fabio Basile? So I didn't. They didn't bother to respond because they're cowards. I'm kidding. They're not cowards. But I don't know if you guys saw that. I just thought it was kind of funny. Just figured I'd point that out. And not only that, but just to get some of you guys to follow the uh, IJF on Twitter. I, I think the IGF should have more followers than the IJ uh, BBF or IBJJF. Anyway, it doesn't matter to me. But I figured I'd point that out anyway. I thought I got a good laugh out of that. Now on to my favorite part of the podcast, the listener reaction. Uh, I, I didn't get too much email this week. I got some funny ones from some wise guy. So he sends me an email and says, Oh, just says, I enjoy your podcast. Your sincerity makes them fun. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not going to put your name on the air because you didn't give me explicit permission, but I enjoyed the email. I appreciate you listening. I, and I'm glad that you find uh, some enjoyment out of this hideous podcast. I, I try and do my best to to entertain and make people laugh and bring some judo news out there. And I also got an email, and I mentioned this earlier, from Hans Van Essen of judoinside.com. Now, I can't read the entire email because it's very lengthy and it would probably take me about 15 minutes to read it, so I'm not going to bore you with that. But Hans did provide me some insight that I thought was interesting on how he covers the events. It was actually a little bit disappointing to read because I personally wanted to believe that he's the lord of time and space and able to transport himself to any judo tournament in the world. But it's a lot simpler than that. It's it's more along the lines of he follows a lot of the events online himself and, and gets to watch those from the comfort of his own home. Now, he did indicate to me that, that he has visited countless events in the past, but with improving media, it's, imp- it's possible to enjoy and report from my office in the Netherlands and still be the first with some trendy stuff. Finger in my nose. I've, I've never heard that expression before. I, I, uh, I, I've heard a finger on the button, but uh, not finger in the nose. But maybe that's a Netherlands thing. I don't know. He also indicates to me that what's next on his agenda is to cover some of the continental championships happening 
throughout the year. Uh, probably there's been a few. I believe there was uh, an, an African uh, Open Championship happening this weekend, or or maybe it's already happened. I'm not quite sure. I've been following him on Twitter. Uh, that's the Judo Inside Twitter feed, and and seeing some of his updates from. The event that he's covering, and again, I apologize, I don't exactly remember what event that is, but but he indicates here in the email that uh, his wife helps him a lot. I think that's really nice. Uh, he links all the multimedia. He's got over 60,000 photos and 40,000 videos and daily news on judoinside.com. So that's that's one of the reasons why I go to that site a lot because he's he's got a lot of great stuff. I mean, between his site and judobase.org and you know, there's uh, the fellow, I'm not sure where he's at, but Uno, who's, he's got judocrazy.com. I think they, he's got some really nice sites out there, and there's some good judo content out there. And it seems like whatever Hans doesn't cover, uh, judocrazy.com tends to do a good job with some of those other things. Uh, I, I got the results of the All Japan Judo Championships, the, the weighted category, uh, which happened a couple weekends ago uh, from, from Judo Crazy, so... So it, it they both do a good, pretty good job, but but man, I t- I gotta tell you, Judo Inside is the first place I go for any sort of news. So a lot of times I'll see something on there, and then that's what that's I almost use it as podcast fodder to talk about. I I don't do that too often because I don't want to just just rip off of other people's work. A lot of I'd say almost everything that I talk about is my own, just my own reading and such. But but Judo Inside certainly provides a lot of great content for me to. Uh, to talk about, well, not for me to read, and sometimes I talk about it. Most of the time I read because I'm not sure how much interest you guys have in some of these lower-level tournaments that happen around the world. Now, I'll do my best to cover uh, the U.S. Open that's going to be happening in July down in Fort Lauderdale. And I brought I talked about this a little bit last week on the podcast. I will not be able to make it down there to watch the action. It's just... Fort Lauderdale is too far for me, and it, it really takes me away. I can't be down there three or four days and be away from my family uh, and my job to, to talk about a judo event that probably half my listeners could care less about. And what I mean by that is literally half my listeners because half of you guys are from the United States and the other half of you guys from the rest of the world. So this is a very global p- podcast, and I try not to spin things from just an American point of view I like that's why I like covering all of these events myself because I think I I have to cater to a a global audience and it's a global audience that I'm very very grateful for all right so let's see where are we at in this hideous podcast 30 38 minutes 27 seconds and you know I I think I'm going to give you guys a break this this time around because my last podcast was like Two and a half hours long, I'm sure for you guys. Man, I'm sure some of you guys are still listening to that podcast. It was super long. So I'll do you guys a favor and keep this one a little bit shorter than I usually do. So for those of you who celebrate Easter, I'd like to wish you a happy Easter. If you don't celebrate Easter, I hope you guys have a good weekend with family, friends, loved ones, pets, animals, whatever, however you want to spend that weekend, training at the club. Hope you guys have a good weekend. I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Train hard. Stay safe out there. And until next time, I'm out. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open Gangnam Style.
What are you still doing here? The podcast is over with. I mean, what do you want? I, I, I said it was over. All right. I know I teased karaoke a bit, so if you guys really want to hear karaoke, here it goes. The safety dance. We can dance if you want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because if your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. Say, we can go where we want to, places where they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world, leave the real one far behind. And we can dance. We can go when we want to, night is young and so am I. And we can dress real neat from our hands to our feet and surprise them with a victory cry. Say, we can act if we want to, if we don't, we bloody will. And you can act real rude or totally rude, and I can act like an imbecile. And say, we can dance, we can dance, everything's out of control. We can dance, we can dance, they're doing it from pole to pole. We can dance. We can dance, everybody look at your hands We can dance, we can dance Everybody's taking a chance The safety dance Oh well the safety dance Oh yes the safety dance We can dance if we want to we got all your life in mind As long as we are beautiful We're never gonna lose it And everything will work out right I say we can dance if we want to We can leave your friends behind Because your friends don't dance And if they don't dance Well they're no friends of mine I say we can dance We can dance Everything's out of control We can dance We can dance They're doing it from pole to pole We can dance We can dance Everybody look at your hands We can dance, we can dance Everybody's taking a chance Oh well the safety dance Hey it's a safety dance Well the safety dance Well the safety dance Hey it's a safety dance It's a safety dance Yeah It's a safety dance It's a safety dance Oh it's a safety dance Oh, it's a safety dance. Oh, it's a safety dance. Oh, it's a safety dance.